The title of this morning's message is called, called The Assist. And so I'll talk about that here in a second. But if you're in John chapter number 5 and verse number 1, stand with me as we read this morning. It says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, or the Passover, and Jews went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic or Hebrew called Bethesda. Now I'm going to stop right here real quick. We're about to read some verses that probably won't be in your Bibles because there's a little footnote. And so some of our more intelligent people thought they could take some of those out. But I'm going to read the whole thing. I just put it all in there. So if it gets reading some stuff that you don't see, we'll catch you back up in a second. But starting in verse number two again. Now there is in the sheep in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool called Bethesda, which is five roof colonnades or porches. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease they had. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man that said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man, now the man who had been healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing what, what was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered him, My father is working until now, and I am working. Now let's set the scene here for a second. You know, the, the title of this message is, is called The Assist. And what an assist is, and I'm just, I'm a messenger here, because I don't do these kind of things. I, I jump off of stuff. I don't go under stuff. The assist is when you get all your scuba gear on, I can imagine how this is, you get scuba gear on your back and you get all these hoses and you get all these flippers and you got this flashlight thing here and you got all this stuff. You get all this stuff on, but you get, you get all this stuff on and somehow you've got to get from where you get dressed to the edge of the boat where you can flop off in the water. And especially if you're an experienced scuba diver, you know, you wouldn't really know how to take these big old web feet things like Scuba Steve's got going here and, and get to the side of the boat to where you can get in the water without hanging up on something, being hung on the side of the boat by your tanks or a hose or something. So you get somebody else that knows what they're doing to help you and assist you to the side of the boat so you can, so you can dive in the water and go, and go see what's deeper. So this morning, we're, we're going to talk about how Jesus assisted this man to go deeper. Let's set the scene here for a minute. Um, I've got a picture that I wanted to put up there. And what it is, it's a picture of the sheep gate, and it's a picture of the pool of Bethesda. Now, I didn't do those pretty lines that were on there, so thank you, Lord. But um, you can see how close the sheep gate is to the, to the pool. And so what's happening is Jesus, Jesus was here near the pool, and he went in, and, uh, and those red roofs over there, those, these are all porches that the Bible talks about, where in, the, in, those, in those porches is where all the people laid that were lame and sick. And so if you can just imagine, all around the inside of there, it's, it's just a bunch of lame, sick, dying people waiting for the water to move a little bit so that they could fall, fall off in the water and, and receive their healing. Now, like the Bible said, the first one in got healed. No, nobody else did. And so this, this is what brings this man. This is where Jesus approach, approaches man. And so Bethesda, if you translate it, means house of mercy. And so as we dive a little deeper here, notice how the house of mercy is near the sheep gate. So, so as we dive a little deeper and talk about some of the Jewish cuts here, now the Bible says in Nehemiah, we, we did, the, we did the, um, the Rise series a while back with Nehemiah where they, where they built the wall. And it says right here in Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 1, it says that Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the other priests, and they built the sheep gate. Now that's very symbolic in the sense that Jesus is our high priest. You know, and the sheep gate was where they they brought all the animals in for the sacrifice. You know, they brought the, the, they brought the sacrificial lambs because as our pastor talked about a couple weeks ago where Jesus came in and turned over the tables, this is probably where that happened because right around the sheep gate where all this was going on was where they kept all the animals and where they kept all the, all the, all the sacrifices waiting to be made. They kept them right there 
you know, where, the, where they brought him in. And so when you, when, you, when you look at it, all around the sheep, this is where they, they brought in. And so Jesus being our high priest, the only one that could get to the Father for us, symbolically that the high priest built this gate so that the sacrifices could get to the temple, so that sacrifices could be made. And so it, it's very symbolic in the fact that the high priest did build the, the sheep gate. And now, and now the Bible doesn't say specifically, but I believe with all my heart that, you know, you don't see any other gates around there. And so the Bible doesn't say that Jesus came in through the sheep gate, but just um, Jeff T. Meyer translation. And uh, like I tell everybody, when you get to heaven someday, you'll find out I'm right. But um, I, believe, I believe that Jesus came in through the sheep gate as a foreshadowing of the sacrificial lamb going to the Father for us. So as he came in through, as he came in through here, and the first thing you see is the house of mercy. Now we've got to, we've got to realize that you can't separate Jesus from his mercy. The way we came to God in the first place, the very thing you first thing you experience from Jesus whenever whenever you get, become born again is his mercy. You know, that's 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 why we can go to God in the first place. We don't deserve it. We don't we we deserve so much more, but the mercy of God came forth and and that's that's how we get blessed. The first thing you experience from Jesus is his mercy is okay. I'm not going to hold any of this against you. We receive salvation by grace through faith, and God showing of his grace in that situation is, is God's mercy. God pours his mercy out and says, you know what? I'm not going to hold your sins against you. I'm going to let that go, and here, here's my mercy. And so just as you cannot separate, really right here, the, the, sheep, the sheep gate is connected right to the pool. Same, same, thing, same thing here. You cannot separate Jesus from his mercy. And so we as believers got to always realize that when, when other people are coming in, when, when, when those that are lost need a touch, you know, the, the mercy side of God has got to come into effect in our lives. We get real bad about forgetting where we were one, at one time and, and, and judging people because, you know what, there's a mercy side of God that, that, that um, so many times we as, as, as spiritual people now, we forget about. And so we can never separate the mercy side of Jesus from, from, from the salvation side of Jesus. At this point, this is, where, this is where Jesus dies. Jesus approached this man at this pool, and, and, he, and he walks up, and, and, and the question comes forth, and this is, this is one of those um, right question, wrong answer scenarios. You know, Jesus walks up. And the Bible says Jesus knew the man had been lying there a long time. And here's, 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 here's where, where, where we've got to begin to look a little more. See, we all might think, well, he's God. He knows everything. And so he just knew the guy had been there for, for a long time because he was God. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. You know, if you read other scriptures, a lot of times when Jesus knew something, it says he perceived. You know, so right here it doesn't say that Jesus knew that he was by, by some word of wisdom or some word of knowledge. It says he knew he'd been there a long time. Now, now think about this. Jesus has been, since he was a little child, we know this, you know, from accounts where Mary, they left him there at the temple. Jesus has been going to the temple since he was a child. Jesus is probably about 30 years old at the time. This man's 38. So you think, all these years, Jesus has grown up going to the, going, going to the temple, going by, going, going, by, going by this pool. All those years, you see Jesus going in and out. And, you know, as you go by and look at people, you know, stuff that stays the same, you begin to recognize. All these years, 38 years, or 30 years, however long Jesus has been going, this guy, this guy's been laying there, and, he, and I can imagine him as a little boy, kind of maybe catching eyes with this guy. And the next year he comes back by or whenever he came by again, same guy's there. Year after year, Jesus going by, this man's still there. So I really, in this situation, I really don't believe that, that it was some supernatural thing that told Jesus this guy had been there a long time. He just said, after all these years going to the temple, he's like, man, that dude's been there a long time. You know, uh, and I'm not saying it couldn't have been a word of wisdom or knowledge, but, but you know, when stuff doesn't change for a very long time, you begin to, begin to recognize it. And so Jesus comes in, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, this guy's laying there, and Jesus walks up to this guy and says, do you want to be healed? And, you know, it's one of those, Here's your sign moments, you know. It's like, uh, well, he's laying there by the water, I think, you know. And, you know, and we, we experience that a lot of times, you know, here at the altar. People come to the altar, and you just, well, oh, look, bless their heart. They've been coming up here every Sunday for six weeks now. They just want to be healed. You know, uh, the same thing. This guy's been laying there for 38 years. 38, that's, that's four decades. I'm 39, you know. And, and um, the more I play ball with my son and the more I go, go do things, I realize that I'm four decades old. And uh, Mitch and I went and picked up backpack food out in Dallas. I woke up Saturday morning going, oh, 
and all we do is unload a truck with about seven pallets of food on it. I mean, it's just, the thing is, 38 years, this guy, and now it, doesn't say, it doesn't say the man was 38 years old. It says he's been there for 38 years. So at some point in his life, he came down with a sickness, and now it says he was invalid. It doesn't say he was paralyzed. Now, the, when, it, now when, when you read there, it says the invalid were there, which was the lame, the blind, and the sick, and, and the paralyzed. And so, so it doesn't say he was paralyzed. It just says he was invalid. So in other words, he was there and with something wrong with him, but for whatever reason, for 38 years, he couldn't make it to the water. 38 years. I was one. 38 years. Of all the people, you know, and Jesus' question kind of answers this next question, but of all the people laying there around that pool, Jesus was drawn to him. Why? Well, as, like, like, like I said, you know, and, and you, you can get all deep in religious, spiritual, I mean, well, God just knows our needs, and he does. But think about it. If you've been going up here ever since you were a little kid, and you've seen this same guy, and so Jesus comes up and says, do you want to be healed? Like, you've been here for 38 years. Seriously, do you, do you really want this? You know, and I don't believe that was necessarily the, I believe it was his compassion, but at the same time, Jesus is just, just curious. You know, you've been here for a long time. Is this something that you really want? You think about it, 38 years. It doesn't say he was paralyzed. It is, and, it, and it even goes on to say that he says he can't, he's got some kind of movement because the Bible says as I'm going, he, still, he told Jesus, as I'm going down, somebody beats me there. So he's got some kind of movement. So this, guy, this guy does have some physical ability. And so Jesus naturally asked the question, do you want to be healed? And so instead of going, well, duh, Jesus, he's right there waiting by the water. Of course he wants to be healed. No, it's not, it's not a stupid question. It's a very valid question. And I think it's a question that applies to a lot of us today. And so, and, if, and, you know, and of course, he wasn't the only invalid there. There's all kinds of people there that had been in and come and gone, gone for a long time. I'm sure some waited a while. But 38 years, think about 38 years, day in, day out, day in, day out. I mean, if you do the math, 365 times 38, no, that's, that's too much. But, but anyways, but let's look, at, let's look at the man's answer. This, it shows us a lot. It says, Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? The man didn't say, yes, I want to be healed. He said, I got no way to put me in the water. The man, the man Jesus said, do you want to be healed? The man, didn't, the man didn't even answer Jesus' question. He just said, I don't got anybody to put me in the water. How many of us in our lives get to a place where we're so used to having some condition or some, some way about us, some habit that, you know, it's more of, it's more of a, 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 a mat for us. It's more of a bed for us than it is. It's, more, it's our excuse to not press on and do something greater for God because I got, I got this going on in my life. You know, when I get debt free, when I get healed of this, when I get my mindset right, when I get, you know, we get past these things, you know, when I get over these things, then I will, I will be able to do something for God. And that's kind of where this guy was at. He's laying there and you kind of get accustomed and comfortable in your situation. And so you can, you can see here that it wasn't, it wasn't just simply that the man you know, couldn't get there. There was some other things. And the third thing, he, he, didn't, he didn't just give an answer. He, he tried to validate his situation. How many of us try to validate the condition we're in, you know, and not take responsibility for it? Now, I'm not saying the condition is always your fault. I'm not saying the situation you're in has anything to do with, with your fault. But eventually it comes to the place where you, as that person in that condition, got to have the want to and got to have the drive to get up and do something about it. You know, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't even, and we'll get on this a little bit, but Jesus didn't even help him in the water. Jesus did something, did something far greater. A fourth, and, and I know we're all good about this one, so don't, don't give me an evil look when I say this, but fourth, he blamed everybody else. Well, nobody else put me in the water. No, do this for me, do that for me. I, I, have this, I have this entitlement thing where if I'm laying here sick, somebody should put me in the water. But see, the thing about it was 38 years, he's obviously been fed, he's obviously been clothed, He's been, had some kind of care made for him. And so eventually, you've got to think that he would have asked one of these people, instead of just giving him handouts, he would have said, can you just help me in the water? No, he, he was content with, okay, somebody was giving him food, somebody was giving him money. And he, I mean, he delayed there. Somebody gave him a mat. 
I mean, somehow, some way, he should he should have been able to get in the water eventually. And I, you think about that. If you, even if you can just move with your arms, you get down here and you're, and you're right by the edge of the water, you know, and you're kind of tickling your fingers in it, waiting for the angel. Then all you gotta do is just drop drop over in the water. But see, this man, for whatever reason, for 38 years, could not figure that situation out. And so Jesus is asking him, "Do you want do you want to be healed?" And so. Like I said, the Bible doesn't say he was actually paralyzed. It just says he was invalid. Now let's look about some, something interesting here. Let's talk about our identity for a minute. This man had allowed what was going on around him. They didn't even give him a name. He was known as the invalid. I mean, how many of you have let, let the world define who you are by the circumstances you're in? How many of you have let other people define who you are by what you've been going through? You know, oh, well, he, he's, he's the druggie. Or, or she's, or she's the, the not-so-nice um, overly friendly lady down the street that, you know, keep your husband away from. You know, how many of y'all have let, let the world define who you are by the situation you're in? You know, too many of us allow ourselves to be defined by, by, by our circumstances and our situations as opposed to by being defined by who God created us to be. And that's the same thing with this man. He allowed what was on the outside to change who he was on the inside as opposed to letting what was on the inside of him come out and change his outward circumstance. And so let's look at that word, just that word itself, the word invalid. You break it down, it means invalid. There's a lot of us here today, and a lot of us, you know, just go through life in areas that we, we are invalid because we haven't allowed the truth of God to come in and begin to tell us who we are. See, when God talks to us, when Jesus talked to this man and told him to rise up, he wasn't talking to, to the, the paralyzed man. He was talking to the man that God had created him to be. See, and I find it, I find it very interesting that, that Jesus didn't say, you know, like a lot of times we do, put down, oh, we just rebuke sickness in Jesus' name. We just rebuke blindness. We rebuke. No, Jesus talked to the man himself. He, you know, a lot of us, when God, when God talks to us, tells us something, we, we dismiss it as, well, that's not God because that's not me. Because why? Our definition of who we are has been defined by everything going on around us when God's definition of who we are is who he designed us to be in the first place. So when God tells you something and talks to you, he's not talking to the you that's sick, blind, maimed, depressed, whatever's going on. He's talking to the real you. He's talking to you that he made you to be. And he expects you to respond to this out of who, he, who you really are, not by what you're going on in your life. And so when we get to the place where we're not being validate we don't use this to validate our situation but we allow the truth of god to come in and and make us valid you know so many times we 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 we, we find validation by by our situation as opposed to letting god come in and, and speak to us and change us by the truth and so jesus come in and jesus didn't tell this man and you know come and start you know rubbing rubbing his head and patting him on the back and and say you know, he didn't he didn't oh bless your heart i just hope here let, let me let me help you in the water no jesus got him he said get up and walk you know, and we don't like that answer a lot of times. You know, we want it to be done for us. But see, Jesus, Jesus wasn't going to take any more excuses. He's like, get up and walk. He, caught, he spoke the truth of God, came out of his mouth into this, into this man's life, and the man had to get up and walk. There, there's, there, there's no other answer. So when, whenever, whenever you go back and you're looking at who, at who God wants you to talk to, you know, a lot of us will say, you'll, you'll be here and, and the spirit of moving, and Pastor Joel will have given an amazing message, and, and, and you feel something coming, and you feel, feel something, God speaks something in your spirit, you go, oh, that just must be wishful thinking because... There's no way I can do that with the situation I'm in right now. There's no way I can, I can do, do that because, because this, this is what's going on, and God knows that, and someday God's just going to miraculously wipe all this stuff away. No, when Jesus, when Jesus saw him, Jesus said, no, get up and walk, and when that truth went forth, that truth collided with something on the inside of this man who, who he really was, and an explosion took place, and all of a sudden this man had no choice but to get up and walk. The truth came in, and the truth, when it rose up and, and, and that took place, nothing could hold this man, this man back anymore because he had no choice but to respond because Jesus was calling out the real him. This morning, some of you guys, are, the, the real you is going to get called out. 
God's going to say, quit looking at your circumstances, quit looking at your situation, quit looking at this person or that person. I'm going to talk to you. I'm not talking to your sickness. Jesus, you know, and, and um, I had a, a, a deep theological Bible question the other day, and of course I went to the, the source, I went, I went to mom, <laughs> and I said, do you know of anywhere in the New Testament when Jesus healed somebody where he rebuked the sickness off of somebody? And there may be, but just think about it, I, I can't. Now, he rebuked the winds and the waves. And when he did, he got mad at the disciples because they didn't do it. You know, and so, you know, I don't remember Jesus, you know, when he, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. He didn't say, he didn't say, death, I rebuke you. No, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And so instead of looking for God to, to speak at your situation to try to make stuff go away, God is talking to you and telling you to rise up and walk. God is telling you to get up and begin to do something about it. God is telling you, to, you know, now this man could have laid there. He could have said the same thing. He said, but I can't get nobody to put me in the water. You know, and how many of us in our lives get in this kind of a, a, a pity place to where, well, you know, I've been this way for 38 years, and, and this mat really, I've, I've kind of shaped it up. It kind of has this little grooves in it where I'm laying here, and it's really pretty comfortable. And so if I just stay here, people keep bringing me food and money, and, and I, I, should be, I should be okay. No, God is talking this morning to, to the real us, and he's telling us to rise, rise up, get, pick, pick up our bed and walk, and don't let that situation control you anymore, but you control the situation. Because so many times we get to the place in our life to where, we're, like I said, we're, we're validating everything we've got to do because we're in a bad place. And, and we can sympathize. We've all been in bad places before. But eventually you've got to get to the, place where you're, to the place where you're tired of the bad thing and you're ready to get on to the new thing. And see, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't reach down. It didn't say he reached down and helped him up. It didn't say that he, he sat there and, and just and called him for a little while and pat him on the back and said, bless your poor little heart. It'll be okay one of these days. Just keep on toughing it out. You'll be all right. No, Jesus said, get up and walk. Get up, pick up that bed, and, and move on. And so that's what he's telling a lot of us this morning. Quit waiting for everything to just to line up and be perfectly right, but pick up your mat and walk, and let's get on this, doing this thing with God. Now, when Jesus spoke that, like I said, any lies, any deception, any untruth that, that had come forth in that, in that man's life was completely destroyed by the, by the light of God's word. Now, when you receive something, and anybody that's, that's received a miracle from God or, or has been around somebody that has, you know, there's always a counterattack. And man, you're like, you, you, you heal from something set free, and all of a sudden, or, you, or God delivers you miraculously from some, from, some, from some bad habit, and all of a sudden there's a counterattack that comes, and all of a sudden life comes at you, and all of a sudden you feel like you gotta, you're about to fall back into this mess. Well, how do you survive that counterattack? See, look, this man, this man wasn't even out of the, the pool yet, or out of that area. He's out walking around carrying his mat, and the first thing, the church people come up to him and say, you can't do that. You cannot carry that mat around. It is Sunday. You better put that down. You, the Bible says you can't do that. I'm talking to the the spiritual church people now for a second. When you see somebody come up here, which we're going to see here in a little bit, and get set free of something, when you see somebody touched and changed, don't start slapping them over the head with a bunch of religious garbage, saying, don't do this, do this. Well, now that you're a Christian, you can't do this. And now that you're a Christian, you can't go there. And all they hear is, can't, don't, won't, shouldn't, go away, leave this alone. And all of a sudden, you've got to grit your teeth and just tough it out being a Christian because life is, life is no fun as a Christian. You, you, you can't do that fun stuff. No. Instead, what we need to do is we need to do like this man did. The Bible says, the Bible says this man, Jesus found this man in the temple. So when someone comes up here in a little bit and you see them get touched and changed, later when you see them in the week or, or, or you do the Christian and you call them and you tell them that you saw that God was moving in their life, you call them and you don't tell them that don't do this, don't do that, don't go here, don't go there and stop doing this and stop doing that. No, you tell them to hold on to the truth. If we as believers, if we as, if we as the spiritually mature people, as, as the Christian who come, come to these people that are, that, are, that are just born again or just, just set free from something, and we would encourage them to say, you know what, I know you, you may go some things, but hang on to the truth of everything you got. Stay close to Jesus. And we become encouraged, and we, and we say, you know what, if you need to ride church, I'll pick you up. If you need, if you need some help staying out of the situation, give me a call. Call me anytime. 
I will encourage you to stay near the truth. See, that's what this man did. This man, this man stayed near the truth. He was in the temple. You know, and anytime we have a, a service, like we did a few weeks ago where we had several people get saved, and um, Pastor Joel has Damon and I go and um, take him somewhere else and, and talk to him really quick. And those of you that have been in those will know this. The very first thing I tell them is stay close. You know, of all things you tell them, because some people, you see something miraculous happen in their life, and you never see them again until they need something else. But see, the thing is, if when, when someone gets born again and God does something amazing in someone's life, the very first thing we did was, was put our arms around them and say, you stay close. Stuff's going to try and happen. Stuff's going to come your way, but you, you stay close. We'll take care of you. We will, we will, we will keep you, we will keep you in, in, in a place of safety with God, but you stay close. We love you. We don't want you to, we don't want you to go back into what you're in. You stay close. You know, and that's what we tell people whenever you know, we, we see them born again. Don't, don't, we, we cannot physically, it's impossible for us to go find everybody that's, that's been saved or God has something wrecked and, and chase them around all day long and, and walk around with them, hold their hand and say, no, don't do that. No, don't do this. No, no. Stay close. If you, if, you just hang, if, you just, if you just stay near us, we've been there, we've done that, we can walk through this with you. That's this man. This man stayed close. This man stayed in the temple, and he stayed where, 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 Jesus, where Jesus could find him, and that was right, right there where he needed to be. I'm about to pop some religious bubbles here, but you know, when Jesus said to the man, and I says, now, he goes, see, you're well. Look, all you got to do is get up. See, look, you're, you're good. You're well. And he says, now, go and sin no more so something worse doesn't happen to you. <laughs> and the first man goes, oh, see, God's going to slap him. God's going to get him. If something, it doesn't say that. It says stay, what Jesus is saying is, he's saying stay close, stay in the truth, stay away from the darkness because you get back into something, it's going to be hard to get rid of again. How many of y'all have ever broken a, a smoking habit or a drinking habit or something like that and you realize that if you fall back into that habit, the next time you try to quit, it's even harder to try to quit. It, it's a spiritual principle. If you, if you get into the light and you fall back into the darkness, it's, it's that much harder to get back to the light. And so Jesus said, stay close, stay near me, don't sin anymore, don't fall back into where you're at because something worse could happen. You know, if you were there for 38 years before with this and you fall back into it now, and you negate the power of God that was in your life, and you, and you, and you call that really nothing, how much longer is it going to take you to get out of that again? And so this morning, when, when, when Jesus says that, when he says, go and sin no more so something worse doesn't happen to you, he's not saying God's walk, walking around with a fly swatter waiting for him to mess up. Bam! I got him. That's not the God we serve. That's the same, that's the same people that go up there and slap him over the head with the religious stuff saying, don't do this, don't do that. No, God is, Jesus is saying, stay close. He said, he found him in the temple, and suddenly he goes, he didn't, even, he didn't even know it was Jesus that touched him. The guy said, who told you to get up and walk? This guy, but I don't, I don't know where he's at. But he told me, and so when he, found, when he saw Jesus again, he found out who Jesus was, and then he, he, he made it known what, what God had done in his life. But he was in the temple. The purpose, he could, of all the places he could have gone, he could have gone and told Mama. He could have gone and found some people and some friends and say, hey, look, what, guess what I'm walking on? He was in the temple. You know? And that's, that's the kind of mindset we need to have when God does something great to us. We need to stay close to, to the truth. You know, because everything that ever comes out of Jesus' mouth, or God's mouth, or, however you, however you want, or the Holy Spirit when he talks to you, is absolute truth. Nothing God has said has ever changed or, or, come, back, or come back as untrue. And so when, when Jesus says something, it is always absolute truth. So if God is speaking something in your life, he's not lying to you. He's not trying to butter you up, make you feel good. He's speaking absolute truth into your life. And so when God said light be at the beginning of time, light is still being, and light will always be. Why? Because it was truth. It, it didn't change, and that's how you prove truth. When it's, still, when it's still the same thing 10, 15, 20 years down the road, well, you can probably call it true because it hasn't changed. And, and same thing. And so many times we'll sit there and we'll, we'll take some of our own little ideas and, and we'll jump out and do something. So, well, well I guess it didn't work. It must not have been God. Well, it may not have been God in the beginning. But see, we need to realize that when God tells us something, and, we, and, and here in a little bit when, when we're doing the altar call, when God speaks to your life, he, he's not trying to say something to you just to, just to get you excited or pumped up or, or try to make you dismiss it for something else. He's speaking truth into your life, and he's talking to the, to the real you that he created at the beginning of time. But he, see, the Bible says before the foundation of the earth, he knew you. He formed you in your mother's womb. And so that, that's the person that he's talking to, the person he, originally met, he meant you to be from the beginning. He wasn't talking to this person that really all, let, let all this stuff jump on him. See, he sees through that. He's, he, he's not, see, he's already defeated that. So he's not, he's not looking at that. He goes, oh, I've, I've given you the ability to beat that. Just, 
let that go. No, so Jesus looks at him and goes, do you want to be healed? And this guy's like, you know, I can't get in the water, otherwise I, I, I would be. No, Jesus says, just get up and walk. He was talking to the real him, the real him that, that could walk, the real him that, that, that could do, do some things. And so the real him that was, not, that was laying there in a pile, Jesus said, get up and get up all this lies and mess and begin to move on to what God's got for you. So this morning, as we, as we continue on, here, what we've got to realize is that God wants you to have a life-changing encounter with the truth this morning. He's speaking to, to the real you. He's not, he's not speaking to the you that may be having some financial issues. He's not speaking to the you that might be in, in, some, kind of, in some kind of weird relationship that you need to get out of. He not be, he may, he's not speaking to the, to the you that, that is hurt and lost and dying. He's speaking to the real you, the one that he created in the beginning. He says, if I can just get some truth into the real you, if I can just get some truth poured into your, to, into your spirit to where you can rise up and you can, and you can see who you really are, then I know you can, you can get up and walk. And if you just stay close to that truth and you, just stay, and you just stay out of the darkness and see, in him was the light and that light was the light of men. And so if you'll stay in him, you'll stay in the light. And that darkness has never, never overcome the light. When Jesus spoke and said, light be, light is still going to this day. And so when light is, if light is still going, that means if you stay close to the light, then darkness has no shot at you. Darkness has no way of getting close to you. And so what we need to do this morning is we need to get past the place to where, you know, excuses are, are, are no longer valid. We begin, we've, we've let lies and deception become, become the truth in our life. We, we, can't get to, we can't go to that place anymore. We can't be in that place anymore to where, to where this is okay. And see, because we're in a day and age where God is going to need his army at full strength. We're, we're in a time and we're in a place where, where, God, where God needs us to begin to rise up. And these little things that are holding us back, and these little things that we, that we let pile on us, and all of a sudden we, we get comfortable where we're at, and we're just like, you know what, it, that's, that's, that's great in theory, but, but you, just don't know, you just don't know what I'm going through. Well, Jesus didn't ask this man what he was going through. He said, well, just tell me all about it. Sit back. Okay, well, it started when I was three. My mommy was mean to me. And, and, and it goes back, I'm not trying to make light of the situation you're in. But at the same time, Jesus is saying, don't worry about the situation you're in. Begin to listen to what I'm telling you and take this truth and get up and walk. And so as we begin to, to rise up and walk and see these things happen, stuff becomes a non-factor. And I'm not saying there's stuff that you've got to walk out and not got to shake off. But at the same time, he's waiting for you just to take him at his word and get up. Just like it seems so impossible for this man to get up and walk, you know, there's things that God has put in your heart that he wants you to do. There's things that he places he wants you to go that seem just as impossible for this man to walk is how impossible it seems for, for you to get up and, and see that take place in your life. Whereas God is believing for it, you're telling you you do. Just take him at his word. If he says get up, get up. If he says do something, just do it because he's, he, he, know, he knows who you are better than you know who you are. Because right now you're thinking that you're this guy over here. You're thinking that you're this, this guy that, that's, that's laying there in a heap and unless somebody comes and does something amazing for you and, 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 just, and, just, and just hand feeds you, nothing good's going to happen to you. No, Jesus, Jesus sees the real you who can be up and, be, and, and go do what he's doing and tell other people to get up and walk. See how many people lying around there in, in, that, in, that, in that colonnade or that porch area sit there and, and they look and the Bible doesn't say that Jesus healed anybody else in that, in that moment but at the same time you know, they're sitting there going where's old Bob at? Where'd he go? Man, I, I see him every day when I come in here. You know, it's kind of like that at the coffee shop. If dad don't show up at the coffee shop, they think the apocalypse has happened. But um, it's the same thing here. Where'd that guy go? He was, he's been here, he's been here longer than me. I've been here 25 years. And, you know, and the stories start going around. Oh, guess what? Oh, get this. Oh, here's my situation. Here's my situation. And so all in this area of, of sickness, all in this area around there, I'm thinking about one thing. Like I said, it was near, near the sheet gate. And so you could not be near this pool of mercy without looking around and seeing all, all the sacrifice. All the, all the ability to get to God all the way around that. And so it's, it's the same thing in this situation. All, all around you right now are believers that, that, that can believe with you and that want to stand with you and see, and see you touch and change. All around you are people that, that, have, that are, have allowed the sacrifice of God to take place in their life to see, to, see, to see them risen up to another level. And so this morning, just as you could look all, all, around, the, all around that pool and you would see sheep and, and, the, and the doves and, the, and the, the oxen and everything else that was going to be sacrificed, you could see, you could see all of them there. Same thing is here this morning. All around us this morning is the healing power of God. All around us this morning is the, is the, is the, redeeming, the redeeming quality, the mercy of God is all, all around us this morning. 
And all you've got to do is take Jesus at his word when he says, get up and walk and do it. It's, it's just that simple. It's, it's just a simple matter of allowing God to heal you this morning, allowing God to change your heart, allowing God to set you free. It's a matter of when this, just like when Jesus told this man to get up and walk, he didn't hesitate, he got up and walked. Whatever God is telling you, big, little, indifferent, it doesn't matter. When, God, when, when the truth goes forth, if, you, if you'll take it, let it collide with the truth on the inside of you, of who you really are, you'll get up and you'll do something for God, and you'll see yourself change.